Uh, I just have, everybody likes watching TV in some way, whether a ball game's on or something else. Austin's going to play just a quick video, it's a minute long, it just kind of gives you a little bit of a, a view into what we've done in Sweden. And uh, when you're ready, sir, just play it and I'll stop talking, that's fine. Uh, with me today, and my name's Phil Zarns, I'm a missionary to Sweden with the Assemblies of God. Uh, my father-in-law, Rayo, is here, I'd love for you to say hello to him and challenge him to speak English. Finish is his first language. Uh, he moved to Sweden 49 years ago, finishes his first language, and you know, Finnish, that language is ridiculously difficult. It is. And I'm trying to learn it, but Swedish is where we can actually have some conversation. Um, my son Max was born in Stockholm, and uh, if you want to try to speak Swedish with him, you'd love that. You'd probably laugh at you a little bit, too. He's very proud. Go ahead. And we'll just watch this for a second. Stockholm is the fastest growing city in Europe. Stockholm has grown 400,000 people over the two terms we have been here. Only 2% of Sweden attends church on a regular Sunday. And only 1% in Stockholm. To keep up with the population growth in Stockholm, a church would have to be planted every week. Nationally, our family has had the honor of starting a student movement, and locally, of planting a church. Will you consider praying? Would you consider giving? Would you consider going? Thanks, Austin. If you could throw the first, yeah, there we go. I'm just going to talk through my family real quick. So you saw my wife Katya in the first part, and hopefully you're okay with this, but Katya is back in the cities with our two teenagers because we're getting pulled in a bunch of different directions as a family. Just as you grow, that's just how it is. So hopefully you're okay with me. I know you'd rather have her. Trust me, you'd rather have her here. But anyways. So I'm proud of my wife, Katya, who is my partner in mission. We work together 100%, 100%, however that works, 50-50. Uh, Katya sits on that. We'll talk a little bit about her. I'm very proud of her. But she, was, she grew up as a Finnish kid in Sweden. And what that mean, what that meant to her was that on the playgrounds, growing up in elementary school, she would get into fights with Swedes who would call her names and racial slur type names, saying go back home to her. And so nine times out of 10 during recess, you'll find Katya pounding on the face of a Swedish kid, telling them to stop saying stuff like that. I'm very proud of my wife, just so you know. And she tells me the story about the other Finnish kid who was with, his name was Peter. And so Peter would be on the side, he was like a lot shorter than her, but he would be like on the side going, Katya, Katya, when all the Swedish kids are like yelling for the other kid. So Katya had from the outset something in her heart where she's like, okay, I'm being called in mission. Where is it, God, that you want to call me in mission? I think you're thinking Latin America. I think you're thinking south of the American border. Why are you saying Sweden, God? So when we met at university, we went into separate rooms, came back and just said, God, where is it that you're leading us? And I said, Sweden. And she said, Sweden. Wondering why he was doing this. Now, it's great that my in-laws are here, and it's nice to hang out with them, but we are the first missionaries from the Assemblies of God to go to Sweden. We have missionaries who have followed us, thank God, uh, whose car just got broken into yesterday. So if you could pray for them, they're in the middle of Sweden right now. Um, but it's nice to visit them. But if I'm with them, in-laws only last for so long. You understand that, right, everybody? They're wonderful people. I love, I love you. And he knows that. 
But if we're there for them, it doesn't matter. We were there for Swedes. Many times people have glossed right over Sweden and said, ah, they have churches that they don't ever walk into. They, don't have, they have churches that maybe 1% of the population shows up to during Christmas. The rest of the time, there is no God. There's no spiritual dimension to Swedes. So as God called us, we realize this not as a selling point for mission, but to realize regardless of all that, regardless of if churches support us, we need to go and do something about it. So that's how we became the first missionaries, because we kept taking those steps to say, God, okay, we'll follow you. We'll follow you. This is crazy. But anyways, I'm proud of Katya, whose name comes from Catherine. It means purity. That's pretty cool. I like that. And Reo, Yaskere. Yavile Diskavarhar, Tilden Shifemte. Okay? So Duvia. So Duvia. Um, so th- thank you for that. And then here's my son, Ben. Ben is now this much taller than me, like this. He became six foot two. So I now look up to my son in some ways. Uh, if Feel free. He's got his last year of being, a, he's going to be a senior this year. If you can pray for Ben, that would be awesome. His middle name is Skywalker. Whether you like it or not, Katya suggested it, so I listened to my wife. Okay? I listened to her. I think it's a cool middle name anyways. And then we have my daughter, Matilda. So Ben means son of my right hand, just so you know. We're still biblical people, everybody. Not rooted in this day and age, but Benjamin, son of my right hand. So purity, son of my right hand. And then Matilda's name means mighty warrior, and she is much like her mom. If she sees something that's unfair happening, she'll step in and say, stop it. And, uh, yeah, that's my daughter. She dances ballet a lot, and that keeps us very busy. Um, So that's my daughter, Matilda. And then my son, Max, who's here? Maximus. Maximus means the greatest, and he's named after the Gladiator movie from 2000. So... Sorry, Max. That's what you got. <laughs> Maximus Elliot Finn. There's the finished part, buddy. So I'm, I'm proud of my son, Max. He, uh, he saw him jumping off of here a bunch and me telling him, stop it. And he kept doing it. And that's fine. Kids need to be kids, even in church. So if he misbehaves in the back row, please have grace. Please have grace. Okay, cool. I'm proud of my family. And the funny thing is that my name is Phil. All right, my mom had a choice between Theodore and Simon, and I joke with her, like, you're you're on this chipmunk kick at that time. Uh, But she landed with Philip, and I was, like, looking up, what does my name mean? All my other family members have cool names. Philip means lover of horses. Don't care at all (laughs) about horses, everybody. If you have horses, they're beautiful. They absolutely are, but great. What kind of joke are you playing, God? How is it that you want to use me to go to a people who totally forbot, forgot about God, right? We have family members, you and I, I'm sure we have family members who have forgotten about God as well. Maybe you have. Today can simply be a reminder or for the first time hearing about him. Um, think about your name and your last name because your last name means something in certain areas. Well, growing up in Little Falls, my name meant something there. People would say, oh, yeah, that's them. That's what they're known for, right? And you can get, like, rooted in that. People will they'll say, this is what I know you for, or they'll remind you about your childhood. I remember when you did all this stuff, and you're like, please forget about that. Just please forget about that. I'm a different person now. Well, think about that. If people are all already saying, this is how you're always going to be, we have a track record in the book of Acts of people who might be named lover of horses who were sent, and if they just dwelled on what they're known for in their name, they're not going anywhere. But if you recognize what God is doing in you, that changes your trajectory, your family, and how you will be known through the ages in trusting God. That matters. So don't root yourself in what people have implied on you. That's garbage. We don't need that. Next slide, if you don't mind. Thank you, Austin. I might as well stand over here for a moment. Uh, We've been over in Sweden for two terms. This is our second church that we started, and it was out of our apartment building because we noticed that people didn't care about church buildings. 
They did care about if we knocked on their door in our apartment building to hang out with them. They cared about if we wanted, if we wanted to be in their life. In Sweden, people are very separate from each other, and then they have organized community activities you come out for. But to go out of those community activities and break that mold to just say, hi, I need a cup of flour. <laughs> just to establish contact matters so much. Um, so it's truly love your neighbor. And we found that there was a lot of neighbors who really wanted to hang out. And then we said one day, we're going to start a Bible study. We're going to start a church on Sundays. Anybody who wants to can show up. Because we had befriended kids, because we had befriended other people in the apartment building, it made sense to them that they wanted to be a part of whatever we were doing. So, bless you. That was a serious one. Upper right-hand corner, Katya has been sitting on the board for youth. This is an older picture. The youth uh, director has moved on. However, Katya still is assisting in making sure that student work, what we went there to start, for university students who many times are suicidal. We're trying to help them to have a presence of Christ on campus. That's why we're there, primarily student work in the universities. On the way, we've planted a couple churches, though. So that's kind of fun. I'm proud of Katya and her work. This is one of our student groups, Karlstad, Minnesota, uh, not Minnesota, Sweden. We have a Karlstad, Minnesota. But this is Karlstad, Sweden. These students gather together at the church and are endeavoring to start things on the university campus. The cool thing is that we got a bunch of refugees who came into Sweden, and our group decided, you know what? They're here. We're going to give them language lessons. Because if you don't have a number or, or you're not registered, people will not give you language lessons necessarily. So I'm proud of our students for saying, in the church, come on in. We're going to teach you Swedish, whether you like it or not. Here's some food. Here's something for your kids. Here, you're going to learn. So I'm proud of them for what they did. I played guitar for a while. I usually don't lead. I love playing just electric guitar and bluesy stuff with some friends. These two started something where, you, where we would rent out bars and then go and play three songs, but we would also bring in other singer-songwriters too. It might sound kind of heathen to you, but hear me on this. We're not waiting for them to come into our church buildings. What we're doing in structuring in what we're doing in Sweden is going to people and creating things for people who don't believe there's a spiritual dimension. Otherwise, if we wait, we might be waiting until we die. We don't have that kind of time. So we're going and meeting them and spending maybe three hours at a time with people who will never darken the door of a church. But they're speaking, and we're sharing who Christ is to them in their situations. Uh, so I'm proud of them and the leaders who came and have been partnering with us as well. Next slide, please. Next slide. I wrote a book. You can find it on Amazon. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the unused today. And you can go to the next slide, even Austin. If you're okay with it, I'm just going to keep saying next slide, next slide, next slide. You're okay? In the Bible, we, have, we start off in the beginning, and we start to learn about who God is, but how close he is to us. You don't have to go to Genesis 3, but just <clears throat> recognize in Genesis 3, we have Adam and Eve have chosen to say, we are just as smart as you, God. And so they ate from this tree that God distinctly said, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree. And what did they do? They ate from the tree. So we have them hiding then in shame from God, where God, who is omniscient and he knows exactly where they are, he goes and he asks the very simple question, hey, uh, where are you? He knows exactly where they are. Come on. But the fact is, is that he wants us to know that his character is always coming to find us. That's who our God is. So as he comes out to find us, we learn that he wants to be close. Proximity, right? To be close to us on a regular basis. If we fast forward a little bit, he gives us his son, right? He sends his son, not just so that we could have, yes, we know that he became uh, human, fully God, fully man, alongside of us, 
but he really brought himself to our level. And I'm not saying we had a very high status. We certainly did not. He gave his son into the mud where we have been so that we could recognize that God cares about not the upper crust of whatever our society is, not simply two kings, but as a king down to where we might find ourselves on the darkest of days. That's where he meets us. And throughout all of that, it's funny how Christ can work no matter how, what status you have. He will change you into more like, to being more like him, if you will, if you trust him. So then we learn even more. God gives his son so that he's close to us. Then we go a little step further. This church is a Pentecostal church. I grew up in the Lutheran church, and I found out about the Pentecostal church. It simply means we believe that in Acts 2, that experience that happened in Acts 2, where, the whole, where there were 120 people praying in a room, much like this, that as they prayed, suddenly the sound of a rushing wind came through, there were little things of fire that kindled over people's fa- uh, heads. Now, that, I'm not believing fire to happen here, but I am believing that the Holy Spirit did not stop coming and working in people and empowering them to say, I want to go where you want me to go, God. Because that's what that Holy Spirit, the giving of the Spirit in Acts 2, is one of sending and helping us to ask, how can I be of service? So what did we learn so far? We learned God is asking, where are you? Right? He wants to be close to you. He gives us his son so freely, and then he gives us his very spirit to be close, so close to us that he's living in us. God wants to be close to us. We know that. So then we fast forward and we get in the, Roman, the letter to the Romans that Paul, or Saul, somebody who decided that not decided willingly, but I think God really nailed him to the ground and said, listen, stop persecuting my people. And in Acts, you can read about that. But he had this moment where he had a choice in saying, okay, I think you are God, or staying in denial and saying, you are not God. He had this moment of, choose, of, of, cho- of choosing, of choice. And in his letter to the Romans, as he's writing... He does want to be with the Romans, but he's letting his writing try to emphasize what he wants them to recognize. You're going to find throughout these next two chunks of Scripture that he knows who the Romans are. The Romans are people who recognize that they compare themselves to everybody else. And if you compare yourself to somebody else, guess what? You're not going to measure up. And our culture tells us constantly, we don't measure up, okay? They'll say, somebody's better than you. You better try to be better like them. Somebody's better than you. You better buy this so that you'll be be just as good. Somebody's better than you. You better travel here so that you can be just like them. Garbage. Paul tried to make it very clear to everybody. Listen, you are comparing yourselves, Roman church, with the Jewish believers of the day. The Jewish believers... It was like they had all this knowledge that when they realized who Christ is, it unlocked all these doors in their hearts. And it, it made sense. And the Romans were feeling kind of second class, but still, they had Christ, but they felt second class because all that they knew in their knowledge was, Jesus loves me, this I know. And that was it. But that's enough. Paul's trying to emphasize that as you read this. So, we're going to read about the Spirit being so close to us now. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So, the fact is this. He likens us to a family, in a way. Not one to negate our own family, our physical families, but he's just trying to give us this metaphor of understanding. He's our Father. You are children alongside of your brother Jesus as you trust, as the Spirit works in you. And then by that, you inherit the same thing as Christ, eternal life, starting from today. There's this part that sometimes we gloss over. 
if indeed we share in his sufferings. It's going to take that we're going to say, Jesus, I recognize what you did. And my plans are nothing compared to your plans, God. How do you see me and what are your plans for my life? Help me to follow you rather than my plans. That's what it's going to cost us. And that's where we start talking mission. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Next slide. Thank you, Austin. Romans 10. A little bit further along in that letter, Paul writes, As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone who believes in him. That means whatever your last name meant, whatever you were known for in the past, you'll never be put to shame in Christ. Paul uses this one word to describe your relationship when you trust in Jesus, and it's this. It's the most simple word in the world. In. In. If you speak Greek, it's en. <laughs> means the same thing. You are found inside of Christ. You are hidden from everything else around you. Nothing can touch you. Your physical body can be destroyed, absolutely. However, you are hidden in Christ. He cannot touch what has been done eternally that he died for and is now alive for. Can't touch it. And I love it. He goes on. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. You see the comparison thing? He's saying, you're on the same level. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This terminology is important where it says saved. That means salvation. Does that mean anything to you? Well, in the Greek, it does mean drawn up from utter destruction. So, what is this destruction from? It's from separation from God. It's from an eternity without knowing and without trusting him. Jesus came that we can trust him so we can have your life eternally because he gives it so graciously. It's funny, but in Sweden, I've had a bunch of different experiences, church planting, university work, but the, the oddest one, and I'm going to tell you a story, and just as I'm not going to embellish it at all, please know that. It's just weird, okay? In Sweden, it's very long. It's about as tall as the western coast of the United States, and so a portion of it lies in the Arctic Circle. In 2013, my boss said, hey, we need to go up and find a church up there to encourage. And I said, okay, that sounds like fun. But I'm more of a person who likes to check boxes. I don't know if you're like me. But where, if you have a coloring book, I don't know if you have a coloring book, but you look at it, you want to color that whole page. That's me. All right, check a box, move on. Next task, check a box. Next task, and that's just me. All right. So when my boss said, hey, I want you to not do that and come with me. We're going to go on a faith journey. I thought to myself, okay, what's, what's that? It felt like I was going to be wasting my time in a way. So just so you know, as a person sent from here in mission, there were moments where I had to choose to change. And I could not just stick with my own mentality. I had to say, God, I'm open to you telling me and teaching me. So that was fun. And this is the story about it. So we get all the way up to this place called Kiruna, and through a number of, of events, uh, on our way up there, part of this faith journey was me writing all the people that I know in Sweden who are in leadership and asking them, where are we supposed to go? I'm on a faith journey. And to them, who schedule everything out six months to a year on a church calendar, some of them were like, what's a faith journey? <laughs> so they wrote me and they said the place that you are to go if you're on this faith journey to encourage a church up north is Kiruna can you say Kiruna with me roll your R if you can Kiruna you got it good job you gotta mean it so we had already booked tickets to this place and from there we were gonna go wherever God was gonna lead us Kiruna is the hub that you're supposed to go to well we found out through all these text messages from our leaders, uh, because we took a train trying to get up north. They canceled the train because we were the only two going up north that far, and they put us into a bus that was driven by an ex-rally car driver. I'm telling you. 
Yes, God was with us. <laughs> so we get all the way up there, and we're like, okay. Uh, we got the text or a, a phone number to the person who is the head of the church there because we said, what's a church that we can encourage? Well, it was the one in Kiruna. And this is what we learned through these text messages. Kiruna used to be a church of 120 people. Then it became a church of 12 people because people couldn't see eye to eye. And then they had a church split. Six people remained in this church. I think we were going to the right place on this faith journey, right? We learn all this on our way up there, and I'm kind of cocking my head to the side going, I think this is a faith journey. Okay. We wake up the next day after meeting like two people. It's October 1st. There's this much snow on the ground. We're in the Arctic Circle, right? So we have some time. We're going to meet the church of six at about... at that evening. So we had some time to do stuff. All right, God, we're here on a faith journey. We pray that you'd guide our steps today. So we walked around the city. The city is 20,000 people, but it's very compact. So we could do it in a, in a couple hours. We started to walk, and uh, we meet a lady who is walking her dog. And I love dogs, so I, I saw the lady and I said, hey, vahete hunden, the Phil. And she said, Han hete Elvis Hedo. I asked, so what's the name of your dog? My name is Phil. It's very nice to meet you. And she said, his name is Elvis. Goodbye. <laughs> I was not local, right? There's a feeling of that. So as we continue on, I'm thinking to myself, I think I'm starting to waste my time. I don't like that, God. We walk around. My boss, Tim, he had been having dreams, he revealed to me, about cowboys for the last six months prior to that visit. God gave him a dream that, hey, I want you to find the cowboys of the world that they might know Christ. So Tim took an interest in the Sami people. We have eight polit nine political parties in Sweden. One of them is for the Sami people, who are the cowboys of the north. They take care of reindeer and whatnot. And Tim said, Phil, on our way up here, I found out, and stick with me, everybody, okay? I know this story's long and drawn out, and I'm just a bag of air, but hear me on this. Tim said, I found out that the political office for the Sami people is in Kiruna. Let's go, because we had time, right? So we get up there, and he says, take a picture of me. I take a picture of him, and I'm like, now I really think I'm wasting my time. What, what are we doing here? We walk up three flights of stairs to go into the office. And to this point, I met a lady who didn't want to talk to me and just let, her know, let me know that her dog's name's Elvis. And I'm feeling about this big and that I should be back in Stockholm doing what God has called me to do, right? My normal, routine thing. We go up three flights of stairs. I open the door, and I had to express my doubt to my boss. I said, I don't know what we're doing here honestly. As we opened the door, out walked a lady. This lady, as she was walking out, heard us speak English because in Kiruna, as you get out from the urban centers of Sweden, you will not hear a whole lot of English, aside from maybe being at the university. She turns and says, Phil? The only person I had communicated with in this whole city prior to that is Marie, the leader of the church plant of six, the church restart. Here stood Marie in a city of 20,000 people. If you count dogs as people, she's the third person we met. I turned to my boss and just said, God's real. And he just started laughing. I learned right then that God wants to use me. He wants to use you, but we have to be open to it. We have to not resist. He has a calling for your life, no matter what you've already said your name means, but he has another name for you. He has another use for you. As we met with Marie, she started crying her eyes out, actually. We met for lunch, and she just shared the whole story about the church. 
that church is now running over 75 people. And it happened, I dare say, because Tim and I dared to go up there to six people who were ready to shut the doors of a church. I had to come down off my high horse and realize God wants to do something new in me. And my boss, thankfully, he said, come with me. Whatever you do, don't do it alone. And I'm so thankful for my boss and what, what he challenged me to do. Can you go to the next slide? Marie felt, as the church leader, quite unusable. She felt like she was stuck here, right? And then she looked at every situation with that church and going, we're six people, there's nothing that can happen. Everything's impossible. Everything. Whatever we tried, forget it. And then on the other side of that, you better believe it. You're going to think that people are unreachable because you already checked out. Pastor will reach people. We will reach people, not just the pastor and not just in this building right here in this time frame. We have so many hours away from here where we can share the love of Christ. The barrier usually is our shame in saying, I know what I've been known for. Please get comfortable with what God knows you for. So what a crazy circle this can be, right? Next slide, if you don't mind, Austin. He's doing so many things back there, I'm telling you. He's refocusing stuff. Anyways, so catch this. This is a great quote that I love. The Holy Spirit is equally efficient in Bible Belt regions, areas of secularism, places of chains, lands of sword threats. Throughout Acts, you're going to find all four of these. Not just a place that looks like, well, there's a lot of people who look different than us. Nope. There's a lot of people who look exactly like you who don't know Christ also. So if we go on from here, we're going to, Hop, skip, and jump quickly through Acts. Or not. If you can go to the next one. You're so obedient. Thank you, Austin. In Jerusalem and Antioch, a, a great number of people came to know Jesus. They trusted him. Thousands came to know the Lord. Uh, you can see it right there clearly. You can go back. And if you think about this, and I know you are, we can get locked into thinking, okay, if the Holy Spirit's working like this, then where there's not thousands of people working, the Holy Spirit's not working there because we compare, right? That is just part of our culture that has come into our brains and shaped how we think. So wipe that out. If there's a church that has thousands, that's when we go, thank you, God, so much for them. If there's a church on the West Coast that is putting out worship albums, Thank you, God, for them. We don't need to be them. Thank you for the church in the middle of the USA that's praying 24-7. Thank you, God. I don't need to be them. Thank you, God, for a church that is very large down the street. We don't need to be them. What is the Holy Spirit doing in us? Thank you, God, for that. And resting in that and then working out from that so that this area knows him. Next slide, if you don't mind. Areas of secularism, that's really what Sweden is experiencing. It's where God has been removed and ourselves have become the middle of our worship, everybody. And our rituals and traditions just keep going. Christmas service comes and Easter service comes and it's empty. Not just numerically, but in our hearts. It's like, okay, great, where's the ham? We've forgotten about Christ in Sweden. Pray for Sweden, if you would. I would love for them to realize that they are a battery of mission, ready to send out people, like they used to do in the early 1900s. Brazil is largely evangelized because of a couple of Swedes who were sent there. What could God do with a whole nation that realizes that he exists again? Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed, and this is on at Athens, on this mountain of judgment, really, the Areopagus. Uh, Paul was brought before leaders, and they were going to decide if he had a good speech or a bad speech. He had been sharing about Jesus in the marketplace. They brought him up as a spectacle to show to people. So what he did was he said, I want to use poetry to let you know. Some people talk about Zeus, that we are his children. Not so. And then he goes on and starts to talk about the characteristics of our God. And people, after that, they started going, no way. 
Nope. Mm -mm. No. But some believed. Among them was Dionysius. Dionysius had a name after a Greek god. And that Greek god was known for partying and wine. Can you imagine that? What if your parents gave you the name, here is my son, Jack Daniels. <laughs> my other son is Jim Beam. Aren't they wonderful? So think about that. And you have to work out from that in what you're known for to realize I'm going to be known for something different. People already imply so much on you. He trusted Jesus. He became the first sending bishop. He sent missionaries from this place. And then a woman named Damaris and a number of others. Next slide, if you don't mind. Thank you, Austin. After they had been severely flogged, so that was secularism, a land of chains. Paul and Silas, they were thrown into the innermost cell where hope goes to die. And they started to sing. They started to sing. Because it doesn't matter the situation that you're in. If you say, I am willing to be used, the impossible shifts a work situation where you know they don't care about God. They don't care about what you have to say. That's an impossible thing that can shift when you say, Lord, use me. Get up the bravery. Holy Spirit, help me in this moment. He can use you in that situation to shift things. When they receive these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks, and the Holy Spirit can work there. Next slide. James, the brother of John, was put to death with the sword. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit was equally there and in an impossible situation. James knew what was coming, but the Holy Spirit met him close proximity and let him know, don't worry. Attention will be brought to God. All glory will be brought to him. Don't worry. Thank you, God, for James. The Holy Spirit is equally efficient when you're sleeping, when you're awake, at the top of a worship chorus, or in the silence. He's not found in the earthquake. Next slide. When we choose to be usable, the impossible shifts. I don't know where you're at today, but you may be confronted with an impossible situa situation that you might have set already in your own heart and said, there is no God. Okay, well, have you already chalked yourself out and said, I don't really need to believe this? I'm going to pray for you that you have the desire. I'm not going to tell you to have it. I'm going to ask that you at least pray and ask God for the desire to follow him. Because he can do it. That's an impo impossible situation in some, but he can do it. Next slide. This is my secret weapon in Sweden. It sounds weird, everybody. I get it. Reo, he loves this dog. Absolutely loves this dog. His name is Yoda. You know about him. This dog is the cutest thing ever. And he is, uh, I guess he's got some teeth that need to be removed, which is going to be wonderfully costly. But I love this dog, this cat slash dog. I grew up with Labradors. If you know Labs, they're wonderful. Labs also will help a thief rob your home because they're so happy to meet people. <laughs> they're also largely known as <coughs> the dumpsters of the dog kingdom because they'll eat anything. I grew up with those kinds of dogs. But we lived in an apartment on the sixth floor of an apartment building. Guess what fits there? This thing. And he's about this big, and he's the cutest thing ever, and I love him. Uh, so as we were walking him, it was February and it was slushy outside, and I'm walking this dog thinking to myself, why did I buy a dog in February? I am miserable, because he has to not pee inside. I have to teach him to be outside to do this. So I'm walking the dog, and you didn't know this, but we live close to an, a, a train station. The fifth most traveled train station in Sweden was right outside our apartment building. My kids couldn't go outside and play a whole lot unless if we were with them, always. High alert all the time. Uh, some have written that one of our zones where we, li where we lived was called a no-go zone for expats. So it was very interesting, I'll say that. 
So we're walking Yoda, and I see a guy walking who goes from point A to point B, because if you don't know Swedes or some Scandinavians, they can be very stoic, and they can go about their own business without caring, without empathy about you. They might care, but they're not going to show it in an urban setting. Point A to point B. And he would walk through me every single day. Walk, walk, walk. Poof. I'm walking this dog. And as he sees me walk, Yoda, he looks, at, he looks up, looks at me, looks down at the leash. Talking baby talk to my dog. And I'm thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. University students, we can understand. We understand that because they have, they're finding Christ and they're easier to get to know in a situation where they're kind of off balance and trying to find their identity. Here's Christ and you can meet them. Our difficulty, our difficult people group in Sweden, guess what? Swedes. The key to unlocking that was this little mutt named Yoda. The, the guy looks at my dog and looks at me, and the thing he says to me is the very thing I said to that lady who recognized I wasn't local. He said, what's the name of your dog? He looked down at my dog, and then he finally looked at me. Think of the dog in a different way, okay? He's a bridge to get to know somebody. What's your bridge? In Cross Lake, it might be construction. It might be cookies. Those help. They really do. Food always helps, all right? But what is your bridge so that somebody looks at that and then recognizes you on the other side of it? Now, I get it. We all have neighbors who have borrowed things from us. We all have neighbors who will mow their lawn at midnight. Okay, maybe it's just me. I do have a neighbor who boils 50 pounds of onions every once in a while in his garage and blesses the whole neighborhood. But guess what? They are 20 feet away from us. Hey, nice to meet you. Our mission field here is so close by, yet we can act almost as Swedes separating ourselves. I know you can see yourself in this story also. In recognizing that you want to get to know somebody, what is that activity that you can finally see somebody else's eyes through? Because we do live in a secularized culture as well. This dog helped me to meet a guy, and this is the last story, and then I'm done. So breathe a breath of relief, and then I'll be quiet. This dog helped me to meet a guy named Andush. Andush on one side. Max, you can come on up. You're going to help me with something. Come on up. Uh, Andush is a guy... <coughs> who has a dog also, and as we would meet, he, we would start to talk, and he would say, why are you here as an American? And we'd start, come on up just for a sec. Why are you here as an American? And I would just say, well, I'm here so that you might know Jesus. I'm here to, we have a church that we started. We work with university students at times of crisis that we hope that we can help them. And uh, he said, well, that's, that's fine. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. And so we would meet the next day with our dogs, right, and uh, I started to grow, and, you know, we're meeting through our dogs, and I would see them and get to know them. And I said, hey, do you want to have coffee? Because when you over coffee, you can talk about some other things. And every day for about six months, he'd say, no, but we'll talk here tomorrow. See you tomorrow. And we would do that, this dance every day. And, it, of course, we talked about who God is. He would ask questions to a point, then he'd go, I don't want to know anymore. By the way, I'm an atheist. Long line of atheists, and I'm one of them. So, see you tomorrow. And I'd try every once in a while, let's talk about coffee. <laughs> let's, let's meet for coffee. In Sweden, it is kind of a rule that up to six months of getting to know somebody, then you can ask them to coffee. Then they'll go with you. Six months comes, Katya and I are walking Yoda outside of our apartment building. And up comes Anders, this guy. And he's going into the city through the train station. He holds up his arms and he goes, hey, I'm going into the city to see a band. And I'm like, have a great time. I said, hey, what's that little plastic tube coming out of your arm? Because I met him every day and I met his family, a wife, 
two kids, beautiful kids, and a loving family, okay? He, he was also really good at grilling, I found out. This little plastic thing, I said, hey, Andres, I got to ask you about that thing real quick. What's that? He got really ashamed in his face. He kind of shut down, and he looked at me, and he said, I have cancer. It's, I have a year left. It's stage four, and I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave my wife because I want to be happy. So this man, just recap, atheist, unhappy. He's going to seek after that apart from his family. Andosh, do you want to have coffee this week? Yeah, let's have coffee this week. We sit down, and you need to recognize this. He doesn't have a construct of what it is that God exists. He doesn't believe that at all. So I met him, and I'm like, what am I going to say to him? Holy Spirit, help me. Yeah, I know that, but I'd like to have something planned in some way. I didn't. Showed up. Andush, I know you're going through some difficult times, so I'm just going to tell you what my pastor probably would tell me to do. I've been reading in the Bible about Jesus, and I, whatever you think about him, that's fine, but this is what I believe about him. That Jesus, he was in a boat, according to the Bible, along with his people trying to learn from him, the disciples. And the disciples were learning from Jesus, and a storm comes. Jesus is asleep in the front, and the bow is slamming up and down like this in a storm, and he is fast asleep. His disciples, those learning from him, were freaking out. And they said, Jesus, help us out. With one word, Jesus calms the waters. My life felt crazy last week, and I needed to ask Jesus, help me with one word of calmness and peace, he calmed the waters of my heart. Andush, I know what you're going through is crazy. You can call on God today, and he will answer. He looked at me for the first time. He didn't shut me down, didn't walk away like he had done for six months, but he said, you're giving me a lot to think about. I would keep in contact with him. I just want to give you a window into what it is, missions work in Sweden in some ways. And I would text with him as I came back to raise support. And one day, as we're texting back and forth, I'm checking in with him, his phone got turned off. I don't know how much time you have with your neighbors. I don't. But I do know that if we have this moment, I'm going to do my best to get to know them and so that Christ might be known. Yeah, it might not come like this. It's fine. But I know the Lord knows. In Sweden, evangelism is not thousands of people. Thousands of people standing in front of a stage all holding up cards of decisions for Christ. It's not that, okay? It's not. What it is is it's more like blueberry picking. And if you've picked blueberries, because I got wild for that. Uh, if you're wild for blueberry picking, you have to get down on your hands and knees to see the blueberries underneath the green and pick them off one at a time. It doesn't work to do a mechanical anything in Sweden. It means that you truly care for somebody and you have a vision that they might care about who Christ is. Um, Max and I have this thing, but usually we use boards. And we found this downstairs. It's your pizza stone. Please tell Carrie that I'm using it and look for her reaction. That would be wonderful. Uh, if you can imagine, for us to be in Sweden, doing this kind of ministry with, with, to people who don't care about who God is, you can go to the next slide if you don't mind. That's fine. Uh, it, takes a, it takes a lot for us to be there. We don't have any huge projects that we do where we are, uh, where we're trying to build a building or anything. We are there to help plant churches and to start university groups. Move it over. Thank you, Reo. He's good. He can't see it. So he wants to see. So as we go, we've relied on, on the help of others. And uh, largely, thank you, Max. Each one of you and each church who has supported us has mattered greatly because we work together. 
Go ahead, Max. You can stand on that. Why don't you do that? Yeah. Go ahead, stand up. If we go by ourselves, we don't go far. We have found. We've tried it. But when we work together with others per this whole biblical sending, uh, we can be sent. I'm going to pull you off before we break her pan too, Max, okay? So tell Carrie about that. But the fact is, is when we have people who work with us together, we can actually send missionaries, much like Max demonstrated. Uh, Thank you, Max. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to send us. Next slide. I don't want to go through that. Next slide. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Tell you what, that's Swedes. They're wonderful. They're warm people. You just got to get to know them and do the work. How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? We're sent. We're trying to get there. We're at 90% right now, and we would love to get closer to that 100%. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. When I realized who Christ was, it was because somebody was sent to me. And I would say, I didn't say it like this, how beautiful are the feet of those. I was just so thankful for somebody coming and sharing Jesus with me. If you don't mind, we're going to pray for a moment. Thank you, God, for each person here. We are sent in mission to Cross Lake. We are sent in mission to Sweden. And we trust you, God, for the increase. We trust you with the souls who have heard of your name. We thank you, God, for our family members, everyone, whether they believe or not, that they have an opportunity to hear. It might be you who, have, who God has zoned in on And he's pointing at your heart saying, give that to me. He might be breaking you out of your rituals and your routines so that your neighbor will know Jesus. He might be sending you overseas. He might be calling you to be a pastor. Stop calling things impossible, my friends. And let's trust him together. God, with you all things are possible. And today I choose to be usable. In your name, Jesus. I love you. Thank you for loving me first. Amen.